Welcome back to another edition of the No F's Podcast. We have got the whole crew back together and we're going to cover some NC dubs. Big Joe, you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, so, you know, this is the last week before conference championship play and then obviously the Army-Navy game. But uh, realistically, the only thing to talk about now is just uh, these last couple teams, where they signed to the playoff picture and, and how that's going to go from there. Um, you know, at, since the start of the CFP, there's just not a lot of, uh, of other bowls that matter. Um, and they're not nearly as fun to talk about, even though they get great games like that. Uh, that UNC A&M game last year was an all-timer, but no one cares because it wasn't for anything afterwards. So um, without further ado, um, let's just go ahead and kick it off. Obviously, Georgia at one. I don't think anyone here has a lot of complaints about that. It's the best defense in the country, and it's probably the best defense uh, since 09 Bama. Um, anyone else have any thoughts on that one? I, I mean, it's an all-time squad in my opinion, but uh, they have obviously had a couple of issues off the field recently. Yeah, I think Georgia one's completely fine. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit shocked that Ohio State is uh, sitting at two right now. I thought that they would try to hold Alabama up there for a little bit longer. Um, but Ohio State clearly, like they've earned it. They're playing super high level football. They've got a big game against Michigan this weekend, which will tell a lot for the national picture. But other than that, that's what I got. I, I completely agree that that Michigan Ohio State game is really what kind of cements the picture for most people, um, just in terms of how it goes. Um, obviously, the most likely likely scenario, uh, Jack, you you explained it pretty well earlier. You want to take it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the most likely scenario, obviously, is if Cincinnati wins out and Ohio State wins the Big Ten. Um, and, and obviously wins this weekend. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I you know, the question then becomes, does Bama still get in if they lose at all? Do they still get in if they lose by three to Georgia in the SEC championship game? Or, like, what is the cutoff for, like, what what, is, what does Georgia have to do to Alabama in the SEC championship game for Alabama to somehow not get in? And then the committee to replace them with either Notre Dame or maybe, like, if Oklahoma State is able to win the Big 12. Um Something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC are just out. Like, I understand why Oklahoma State is getting a nod, um, but to me, they're just not a playoff team. Um, there's just not enough offense. Now, they are a better stream. They've covered, like, 10 straight or something ridiculous, but uh, they just don't. There's nothing flashy about them. They're probably going to get wrecked in Bedlam if I, uh, you know, picture that game going how I think it's going to go. Um, just, look, let's call it how we see it. Cincinnati, in my opinion, if they went out as in, I think the committee is telling them that by placing them at four today. Uh, um, I don't think if they went out convincingly, uh, and by convincingly I mean – you know, win this week by probably, you know, 14-ish points and then win the championship game just at all. Because uh, Houston's not nearly as bad as people want to give it credit for. As long as they win, they're in. Um, it's time for a group of five team to get in. Um, and no one in the in the Big 12 is good enough. There's just not enough good players across the conference to really warrant someone going in, speaking as a Texas fan. Like, there's just there's not enough going on there. Um 
I do think the most interesting scenario, though, um, is definitely if Ohio State loses to Michigan, how far they fall. Um, so walking through that hypothetical, let's say Georgia wins out, Ohio State loses to Michigan, Cincinnati wins out. So then for the at that point, you would probably go Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati. So your, your fourth slot is open, and that's going to be between Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma State, and Notre Dame. Who were y'all putting in there? I think what probably happens, I mean, Ohio State's going to get the nod over Alabama outright just because they've got better. If it happens, they would have better quality losses. Um, <clears throat> OK State is an interesting prospect to me because if they went out, right, they win at Oklahoma this weekend, they win the Big 12 championship game. It's kind of hard. I mean, they'll be it's them and Notre Dame as far as the win-loss teams left. And, uh, I mean, I think they would, be, would do the committee. I think it, they feel like it would do them some good to put in a Big 12 team that's not Oklahoma or Texas. Um, just to sort of spread the market. But uh, that's the same reason Notre Dame would get pushed a little bit. So, I don't know. I think it's going to end up between those two if Ohio State loses and Alabama loses in the CCU championship. You think that – I I guess – my question would be, like, Ohio State lost to Oregon, like, at home. I don't know. That's also, I mean, like, I, what, week two? No, you're right. It was a, long, it was a while ago. And I, I guess I just, I wonder if, like, the committee would view, like, a loss at Texas A&M and, and at the SEC championship game for Alabama as worse at, than um, – a home for like then Ohio State's home loss to Oregon and then away loss to Michigan. I'm gonna be honest. I, I think we're grading. I think we're looking at this the wrong way. I think, I think the committee and and they've done this throughout the year by putting Michigan above Michigan State and keeping Oregon up there. They're grading wins as well. And Ohio State has beaten the brakes off of people. I mean, they dismantled Michigan, a good Michigan State team. They dismantled Penn State. So. I think is as long as Ohio State wins loses close to Michigan, like you know it's it's a back and forth style of game. You know the weather comes into play or something like that. Then as long as it's like excusable, and they put up points, then it'll be one of those things of like okay, because Michigan's going to be the best. I think Michigan's defense is way more comparable to Georgia's defense this year than people want to give it credit for. They do have a couple of premier pass rushers that we're going to be hearing on Sunday for a long time after this. Um, but you know, Ohio state just has so many weapons. Travion Henderson being your offense's fifth option is unbelievable. It is an unbelievable amount of talent that they have. Um, and they're backing it up between five future pro bowlers on the offensive line, in my opinion, well, at least four. Um, so I, you know, I think we got a grade wins here as well. And that's part of the reason with Oklahoma State is they just don't have, like, a win where I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, that that really puts them up there. And it's mostly because the opponents they played are just not very good. Like, they're, I guess their defining win is a shutout of Tech. But, like, it's Tech. Like, we're <laughs> – I don't know if that's, like, really good. They did beat Kansas State, okay? Like, I mean – yeah, that's part of the issue is like they just 
due to the Big 12 not being good, if they lose Bedlam or if Bedlam is close, like it's the same reason that we don't look at uh, at Ole Miss as super good, or like that's the same reason why I think they demoted Bama is Bama recently has not won well. Like that LSU game was super close. That Arkansas game exposed a lot of holes in that defense, and so like. I think the committee's kind of sitting here and waiting like, okay, Alabama, like, yes, we understand you lost to Tech in, like, a quasi-shootout. Understandable. But you're not beat. Like, LSU is not super great. They should have gotten curb-stomped by Alabama. And instead, they let it get to be, like, a 2014 back-and-forth type of thing. Um, Tennessee had way too many yards. Now, it didn't get into a lot of points. Sorry, Shay. But, like, Tennessee had way too many yards. The Florida game was way too close. The Arkansas game only being decided by a touchdown is way too close. Like, if Alabama wasn't Alabama, like, if they had this record and they were LSU or Tennessee or someone who hadn't been in the playoff and won recently, we wouldn't be looking at them in the same light as, we, as we're as we consistently looking at them. Like, we would be like, oh, this is a great team that's going to be really fun to watch in the Orange Bowl or really fun to watch in the Fiesta Bowl, but we, we wouldn't be looking at this team as like, oh, this is this is an outside playoff spot. Like I, I just don't think we'd be looking at them the same way. Yeah, I think we're we're in a kind of a weird spot where they have built up enough of a resume to where the committee is just always going to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though, you know, like the the Arkansas game is like Arkansas is a good team. They've got a bunch of like super old dudes, like super seniors and whatnot. Um, and, you know, the Florida game with how Florida's played is just, it, it looks bad. Like, it was that close. Yeah, I mean, everyone plays tight with Florida. I mean, Mizzou beat Florida, which I understand is later in the season. And, and you know, those players had obviously quit on Mullen. But at the same time, like, and I know it was at the Swamp, but it's it, it, you just can't. Alabama doesn't play close game, games ever except for the SEC championship game, the Iron Bowl, and that's it. And maybe, like, you throw in one Ole Miss game or, or one A&M game, and they sure as hell don't lose those types of games. Well, I mean, you know what it actually comes down to, Joe? It's just the Bill O'Brien effect. <laughs> yeah, that's fast. Yeah, I mean, my gosh. I, I, mean, I will say Alabama's team is built completely backwards from how – like they've always won. It's been defense first, running the ball. And, you know, they've got literally the most average running back they've had in so many years. Like, he, you know, he's great. He'll get a five-yard run when there's a giant hole. And he'll get a two-yard run when there's just a regular hole. You know, he, he never busts anything. All he, he's got no breakaway speed, nothing like that. And, you know, uh, Mitchie's good. Their tight end's good. But it, it just doesn't – like, Bryce, you know, Bryson doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But it just – it doesn't look – overwhelming like they usually do they i would from texas part of the reason why tom herman lost his job right which i vehemently disagree with and we're all aware of that is that there was a crop of offensive linemen in the state of texas last year that we hadn't seen in about a decade i'm talking four or five stars, two, like three to five, four star. I mean, we had offensive linemen out the wazoo. Alabama came in and got 90% of them. Like, whichever ones, they, the Brockermeyer twins out of the Dallas area, who uh, one of them's already starting, I think. Um, so I think Saban 
last offseason recognized that offensive line play was going to be a problem that he had, especially since he didn't have that back anymore. Um, and he's tried to correct it, but he's about a year away from correcting it. it, it the tough thing about offensive linemen is, or defensive linemen for that matter, they're never plug in plays. You have to get them in a weight room for two years. It's inevitable. And so since they don't have that, they've really only got the one good lineman. They've got an average running back. They've got a young QB who really can't be trusted to take over a game. Um, they're much more in the Jalen Hurt style of offense than they ever have been. Um, and it's, you know, it doesn't, it allows, they, they can't blow the top off the team. And so teams are playing him kind of like uh, Patrick Mahomes in the sense of they're just going to shit sit in a cover three shell and they're going to make them play underneath routes. And it's not, Alabama just doesn't have an answer for it right now because they can't run for over three yards to carry. It's, it's real tough to watch, honestly. Uh, but, you know, for me, the, the, the biggest pro the, like the biggest problem, the, the chaos button is if Ohio State loses. If Ohio State loses, the, 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 the whole thing just struggles. Not only that, but I think if they do lose, I, I think Michigan could easily struggle with Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. Like, yeah, it, it, I mean, it could go completely sideways. And, you know, and that really brings in the question of Notre Dame, and I'm so far out on them. Um, the FSU struggle game, the Wisconsin struggle game, like, I'm big time out on Notre Dame. I don't think they're a good team. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the playoffs job is – which is kind of funny is the playoffs job is not really to choose the best four teams as much as it is to choose the matchups that put butts in seats. Um, which is why I think Alabama's really drawn the short straw is because no one wants to see an Alabama Georgia rematch. No one that, that went horribly in the BCS era. Um, so, you know, they might be more financially incentivized to put a team like Notre Dame in, um, you know, it, that's a team. That's a game that struggled with FSU. That's a team that struggled with Purdue. Uh, they did actually. I want to re- rephrase. They did smoke Wisconsin, but then the next week uh, they beat. They lost to Cincinnati, and then they struggled with Virginia Tech. Um, they struggled with UNC. Like this is not a Notre Dame team that I think deserves any consideration to be in. But that fan base is loyal, and it travels. And if <laughs> that's a fan base that's going to go halfway across the country to see them get shellacked by Georgia if they're the force. Um, and at the end of the day, that's that's what the committee cares about. So what, what happens if Cincinnati loses to Houston, Michigan wins, and the uh, Alabama obviously loses SEC championship? Well, I mean, who do, who do you think the next two up are? Do you think do you think it is just Big Twelve champion, and then Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably uh, like that Oregon loss to Utah was bad. That's the other thing. It's like it wasn't an excusable yeah. loss. I mean, it was a thumping, um, and that was a team that had already been struggling uh, against Washington. Oregon's one of those teams where if you jump on them. They're uh, they're really not built to come back at all. Yeah, like they are a you know they they're built like the old, the old Wisconsin teams. Like 
defense running the ball and we're just going to pound on you. And if they get jumped on early, they don't really have the passing schemes. They don't have the, the same athlete that they would at quarterback. You know, they've got a, great, a guy who can run really well, good checking the ball down to short ranges. But, it, you know, there's no comeback ability in that offense, which is really unfortunate. Uh, and they did just get bow raced by Utah. Yeah, I, I, well, the tough thing is, is that if Oklahoma loses – it's Oklahoma State versus Baylor in the Big 12 championship, I think, because Baylor won the head-to-head against Oklahoma. Um, yeah. But if Oklahoma State loses, it'll be a rematch of Bedlam because Baylor lost to Oklahoma State, so they'll go in because they have the tiebreaker. Mm. Um, I really hate that the Big 12 does not have divisions and it's just round-robin play. Like It really gives you some funky matchups at the end of the season. Yeah, and, and it's always – because the other thing is that in the Big 12, there's three teams that compete, and it's the three that are ranked right now. And so um, – and, and this Oklahoma team isn't good. Like, let's start there. This is a team yeah. that had they been playing anyone not named the University of Texas, they would have lost Red River. Uh, this is a team that really struggled with Kansas. It's a team that really struggled with West Virginia. I know they've had a QB change, but – uh, they're not good. And so there's a massive issue here of if, like you're describing, Michigan wins and it's not close and uh, Georgia thumps Alabama, who are your next two? I don't think you can take anyone from the Big 12. Um, I I think Michigan State is out when, when you just saw what happened. Uh, yeah, with, I mean, you get freaking cranked right after your coach signs was like a close to 95 million dollar contract and you just get crushed like there's no way i i think this sneaky team which hear me out here is going to be Ole miss and i know that's that's an ugly prediction but Ole miss will have no bad vibes in that schedule because they're not just going to have gotten cranked by georgia um it's a team that has a back-breaking loss to Alabama early. The Auburn loss is the part. The Auburn loss is pretty damning. But you know, but if you want offense, which is what they want in the playoff for TV ratings, you got to put someone in their offense. Cincinnati, not good offense. Georgia, not good offense. I mean, you can't take anyone from the ACC. So you've got to find your offense. And if Ohio State gets cranked by Michigan. You're just—I mean, it, it, I'm praying that doesn't happen because if that happens, I'm gonna cry because yeah, I'm we, just gonna watch Georgia win the playoff six to three. We're talking about Ohio State losing to Michigan a lot. I, what? Are, what do we think of this game now? I, like, I don't. Do we really think that's gonna? I happen? I don't think it's gonna know? happen. I but either. I, I just would like to play with the idea and see if I can. No, get no, no. Jen I, to say. I agree. I think it's. <laughs> I, I like. Do I was, you guys think this is gonna be a close game? Or, I so think it's it at could Michigan. Be. It could be if Harbaugh. Ian, to me, he's uh, just a coach that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, he's uh, supposedly been a quarterback guru. Can never get a quarterback that he likes there. Um, his team is built like uh, you know fairly well. I like a, a good strong defense and a good run game. And they've looked impressive in their wins. You know, the Michigan State loss is tough, though. And he's he's uh, something like one in seven against his rivals all time, 
which is it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. But you know, it's at Michigan, and maybe. I'll be honest. The biggest thing I have here is that uh, C.J. Stroud is has never played in super cold weather like they're gonna have in Ann Arbor. I mean, it's gonna be twenty three degrees. For those of you that haven't played football when it gets really cold, the ball flies like a duck. It's not front. It's like throwing a brick. Kicking gets really iffy. Um, it, and I do think what Ohio State is cooking with here is that they have the better offensive line and the better running back, which should be, at, at if, the, if the weather becomes an issue, that should be enough. Now, it is going to be sunny, um, and they do have the 12, they do have the noon kickoff which makes it a little bit better than it being at night and windy. But if weather becomes a factor, I just say that because he's he's a Southern California kid, and like there's a reason that the Bills don't have those guys as their quarterbacks. There's a reason they go get six foot five, eight, you know, like just absolute gorilla strength Josh Allen. That's why the Steelers have Ben Roethlisberger and Bro. Terry Bradshaw. Like, don't and why the Browns have Baker. That's why the Browns suck with Baker Mayfield. Don't start there, Shay. <laughs> I, I was just I was, was going to say, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger is just so good. He's, He's just like, so good. Yeah, he just but, so I mean, good, dude. But, but, I mean, there, that is a thing. That is a thing. A cold weather, weather quarterback's a thing. Litter. Yeah, cold litter quarterback. I was just really fishing for a way to uh, see if you would say, yo, we got to get UTSA in. <laughs> No, gosh. I mean, I dude, here's the thing. Jeff Trailer has played himself into a massive contract. Uh, I think he's primed to get the, uh, uh, like, the Virginia Tech level of jobs, like that, like, just the next step down. Um, I think he, he was a GA at Texas. I think if you're going to fire Sark, he makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't love it, but that, you know, he makes a lot of sense. Um I do think that is one thing we should touch on. Mullen getting fired is another high. There's more high-profile college coaching gigs up this year than there have been in the last decade. Um, you've got LSU, Florida, uh, USC. Uh, those are three of the top five places to be probably. Uh, and then you've got a lot of, you know, nice mid-tier schools like TCU, like Virginia Tech. Um, places where you can really go out and carve yourself a name as a coach. And, and, and uh, Gary Patterson was incredibly successful. Um, but it, it, there's an issue here of, you know, Penn State locked in. And, and here's the misconception that I do want to put out there. People say that because you have a 10-year contract, that means that you can't go anywhere else. That's not what that means. That just means that the school that you're leaving is going to be heavily compensated. Now, the boosters at LSU – if they want James Franklin, they'll pay the money to get him out of the contract he just signed. It's a beneficial for everybody except the boosters, and the boosters don't care because they're there to buy wins. Um, you know, the Miami job could be easily open this year. That's another top 25 job. Um, if the Texas job were to become open, it's still a top five job in college football, but that doesn't mean that it's an easy job. Florida uh, State job is pretty likely to be open as well. Yeah, you're talking – these are – historic programs. I know the Florida programs have only really come on since what? 83 was their first one, but I, like those are still historic programs. And th there's a reason that they have things of like, you know, uh, 
Dion was a Florida State guy. The Miami guys, I mean, you, uh, we don't even have enough time in a 30-minute podcast to list all of them. That's how many there are. So, so there's a big, big – and the thing about it is that if you're a good player from a college and you go to the NFL, you're a millionaire. At that point, you've become a booster. Ed Reed is a booster. <laughs> uh, Ray Lewis is a booster. Uh, you know, the, like those guys who come back are boosters. So they're not going to sit on the sideline and watch their team just get cranked by just bad, bad opponents. And so those Florida jobs being open, big time. Uh, I think TCU is a prime spot to get a, like a quality coach um, as well. Um, I think, you know, they're going to stick behind Scott Frost, but Nebraska is a job that could be open very, very soon, which I don't think yeah. is fair. But... Scott Frost got dealt a really shitty hand because he, he took over after the guy that took over for Bo Pelini. You know, and it, it, he's had he's had four years to recruit, and he just fired his whole staff, which says he's earned about two more years from the AD. And so if they don't produce soon, they don't get the recruiting over soon, then it could open up. But, um, I mean, it's that's a job that, that I don't think it will ever be back to what it was, you know? It's just yeah. hard to get kids to come out in the middle of a cornfield and, you know, just say, hey, man, come hang out here. Yeah, no one ever goes to Lincoln. It's like, wow, this town is super fun. But, you know, this is a guy who's lost. Like, if I listed you as losses, one possession loss to Oklahoma. Every single loss, every single State. loss this year was a one possession loss. Like they're right there. And I think he's. I think part of it is that he's coaching them well enough to get them in contention with these teams. He simply doesn't have the horses to win games. Like he's just not. He he's played Ohio State the closest out of anyone that Ohio State's played besides Oregon. Like that's an accomplishment. This is a team that went to Indiana and beat them 54 to 7 and it's a team that went to Nebraska and struggled to beat them 26 to 17. Well, in the rankings of the Big 10, like those two are neck and neck with each other. One's 1 and 7 and one's uh 0 and 8. Like they're they're not that far apart on the rankings, but on the scoreboard Nebraska is way far ahead of them in every sort of like deep analytical sense nebraska is significantly better than them but but it's just not how it's playing out on the field and part of that is like there's no like texas nebraska miami florida state there is no momentum in these programs like these these were all programs that were good from about 2005 to 2010 you know this is nebraska had an adamica suit texas had colt mccoy miami uh really got hit with with that like weird investigation thing but you know in 2003 they had you know sean taylor and vince wilfork and and clinton portis and like really quality nfl players but you can see when the momentum gets taken out of the program and especially in a program like nebraska where there's nothing fun to do on campus it's hard to recruit guys like no one is like nebraska is a really cool school to play they have some cool stuff the black shirts is cool their defense is cool but there's just nothing in the program right, right now that makes you think like, oh, this is as a high-profile quarterback prospect. This is where I want to make my mark. Nobody does that, and that's that's uh, that's like it's tough. Michigan has a very similar problem, and and a little bit of Wisconsin as well. But but those teams are also not built the same way as 
as these schools. I mean, USC is another prime, just no momentum in the program. And if you don't have any momentum in the program, you're not going to land these recruits that are actual difference makers unless you pay them. Sorry, that's my rant about about recruiting. I mean, it's it's a it's a brutal I game. Mean, the, like, the NIL stuff makes things way different for recruiting moving forward, because I mean, it's like what can these coaches give you? And if you're in the middle of Nebraska, you're like, what am I going to do? You know, what what deals do I have here? What like what companies are going to say, hey, let's do it for you? You know, if you're going to US USC, to me is is probably going to benefit the most out of this. They will get a good coach. I, the more I think about it, the more I think it's going to be Dave Aranda. He's just from that area. I think he probably recruited really well. And you can just offer whatever you have, like whatever deal you want to those kids out there, and they'll get so much exposure from social media and NIL deals and whatnot. I think if it's not Aranda, see, the, and to your point with the NIL deal stuff coming in, it's much more like a professional setting of like, you know, Gronk has never spent any of his salary. He's only ever lived off of endorsements. It's going to be very similar to a lot of these college guys. So like you might need a pro coach to come in and say like, this is how professionals handle endorsements. This is how we're going to handle endorsements. You know, Tom Brady didn't take endorsements unless his offensive line was part of the deal. That's something that we want to have as a program as well. Like, and, and I don't know how, I'm honestly not sure about the legality of some of that, but I could see it being, I mean, it's a contract negotiation. If you're the player, you're allowed to demand certain items in there. Um, you know, and the, and then the other thing is that if, if there's a transfer, if, if your coach is leaving you as the player, because the new reporter rules get a free year of immediate eligibility. So if Lincoln Riley goes to LSU and they uh, allegedly he was offered eight years, $96 million. Caleb Williams can walk with him and start next year in Death Valley. So that's another thing to think of with these coaching hires is they get to bring the players that they recruited to your school. You could literally have just four or five immediate impact guys, you know, uh, and it only works with head coaches, I believe. So like if you're the OC at Ohio state, your, your, your players that year don't get a free – they have to sit out of your still. But if you're the head coach – I thought everybody got a free one. I, I thought they put that in there to discourage. I might be wrong. But, even, like, let's say that it, everyone gets a free one. You know, Mel – like, Mel Tucker leaving, you're just hiring the coach. But if you hire Lincoln Riley, you're hiring Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, whatever their running back's name is – and uh, they're tight end. Like, those are just guys that you get right off the bat. Now, you probably don't want any of their defense, but but that's the thing. Like, Dave Aranda, right? You might want the three linebackers that Aranda's got. That's a, that's a, very, that's a very real issue that a lot of these teams have. And he could just walk with them right to your school. Um, so, I like, with the NIL deals, that makes someone – like, who it really hurts is schools like Auburn or A&M. Like, you're going to get sponsored by Mojo's car shop. If I'm at USC, I'm getting sponsored by Apple, by, you know, Frito-Lay, by Pepsi. Uh, if I go to Georgia, I'm getting sponsored by Coke. If I go to Miami, I'm getting sponsored by the cocaine Cowboys. I mean, something like that. So, so there's like so many opportunities. If you're in a big school, like Austin is going to have Tesla and Samsung, and like those are big draws to be recruited to for NIL deals, but like 
what does Oklahoma have? Like, where, where you go like, Oklahoma State. Like, it's these schools that are good, but if you don't have big companies headquartered in your cities now, unless you're, like, Clemson or Ohio State or uh, Alabama, who are going to get the national-level deals, like, you're going to really struggle to get NIL deal players to come and play for you because if they don't play for – you know, if you don't play for USC, if you choose Auburn over USC – you're basically foregoing millions of dollars, millions of dollars as a 17-year-old. So, like, that that's how recruiting is going to shake out. And, and if you're USC, you already have way more uh, – you're already dealing with way more five-star recruits in your backyard than anybody else in the country. The No Fs podcast will be back with some NFL action. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out the Beating the Bookies podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.